It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. In case you're just joining us, welcome to the first day of spring. It feels like it's been a long time coming, guys. 537 is when we hit spring, 2021. So here we are. It's a new season. You're ready to start getting outside. Man, you really got a taste of some great weather last week. And this weekend's not going to be bad. It's just going to be a little chilly. So it's time to start thinking about getting out and gardening. And, you know, with some of your calls over the last few weeks, starting to see some pests some unwanted things. We're already thinking about keeping deer away, keeping squirrels and raccoons away, and the bees are coming out. So um, I also am certainly going to touch on this, black ants, whether they're in your home, whether they're in your garden beds. So I thought, who better to ask than Arrow Exterminators? So I have with me this morning, Randy Chandemi with Arrow Exterminators. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I am so glad to have you guys on the show. Welcome to your uh, Green and Growing debut. I'm looking forward to the first day of spring. How can we go wrong talking about it, right? Exactly. I mean, today is just a cheerful day. It's it's a good day for any topic, certainly. But yeah, with us getting outside more and more, Randy, that's kind of why y'all were on my mind, you know, so we'll kind of work our way, you know, from the outdoors to the indoors, because first I want to help gardeners who are just being hassled by things outside. Um, and sure. for those who think Aero Exterminator is just pest control, no, 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 folks. AeroExterminators.com, termite control, wildlife control, and even like specialized home services with lawn care services, Randy, because we always have folks complain about whether it's fire ant mounds, chinch bugs in the lawn. Oh, my goodness. There's just pests everywhere. Correct. They're, they're, it's, they're taking over. We just live in their world sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. It's their world. We're just living in it. So sometimes we work around them. Sometimes we can do some other things. Um, but Going along on y'all's website, doing a little bit of research mm -hmm. last night, Randy, I found this pest prevention checklist. So let's start mm -hmm. with that, keeping okay. the pests where we don't want them and how there are some things we can manage ourselves. Sure. There's a lot of things. And the biggest the biggest thing we look for when we go out to, to surface a home is, is openings of how they can get in. You know, the first question is, how are these ants getting in my house or these roaches? Um, so we try to seal off, you know, areas that, like, where the siding meets the foundation, openings around like where electrical wires go through, plumbing lines, that type of thing. These are where we work with the homeowner and say, hey, you can get this closed up. This will kind of cut down on, on what has access into your home. So see, that's perfect. Any openings that, I mean, a cockroach can flatten itself to almost a piece oh, yeah. of paper and just get in anywhere. So making sure you've you've sealed off things like that. And don't provide food sources, right? Again, that is something we as homeowners can be a little more responsible about and keep the pests away. Oh, sure. Yeah, you figure you know, things you don't think about on the outside of your house. You know, your trash cans next to the foundation. Um, a lot of times people will take, you know, lawn clippings and they'll have them in bags next to the house. They'll sit there for a couple of days. These are all great areas where roaches and ants can kind of hide in and, and kind of be right next to the foundation there. Or and then just work their way into the garage and from there into the house. And speaking about that, too, Randy, you bring up a good point about everything that's right outside of your four walls and how closely you keep things to your home. This is going to be the time of year when I'm going to start to get a lot of calls about snakes. And snakes yeah. are a little too close for comfort in people's landscapes. So tell us a little bit about how to keep that at bay. 
So obviously you want to kind of keep it so that they don't have a whole lot of areas to hide. I mean, they're going to be moving around and, and not all snakes are bad. Uh, I'm not a person, not a snake fan. So to me, <laughs> I don't want to see any of them, but uh, they're not all bad, but it's, you know, we, we can do treatments or there's treatments out there to put kind of a uh, snake away, a sulfur type uh, base around the perimeter of the house to kind of push them away. Um, firewood piles that sit there from the oh, winter time. Yeah. That's a great place to find them. You know, they have them stacked next to the house so that it won't get wet in the winter, but yet summertime we're not touching it. So a lot of people find them there buried underneath it or kind of hidden inside those logs. Are they going to be at the very, because I have a log pile outside my garage door right now. So are they going to be at the very bottom of the logs or are they going to be like nested in between them? It depends. You know, you Uh, can find them maybe kind of working their way up in the sun, but most of the time you probably find them down low where they're going to be undisturbed. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because we yeah. keep them piled there for uh, easy access to when we go camping. You know, that's what that way sure. the logs are in the driveway, ready to throw them in the back of the truck. And yeah, I hadn't really thought about snakes. So see, I'm glad we're yep. glad we're talking about this. And also, they, oh, go ahead. They, this time they'll start, you'll start seeing them on social media. Everybody's popping up the mm-hmm. photos like, mm-hmm. what kind of snake is this? And everybody's answering 20 different things. But yeah, you'll definitely see more of it here in the next next few weeks or months. Yeah, and even if you don't see them, folks, you know you know they're nearby, especially if you live next to a water source. Um, juniper, crawling juniper in my front mm-hmm. yard is probably where they are most happy. And I just got in there and got poison ivy last weekend. Um, so another reason to stay out of the juniper. Well, also on arrowexterminators.com, a pest library. That's really a helpful resource. Everything you ever wanted to know about the pests, pictures to identify so you know what you've got. Um, let's start with one that's often misidentified, Randy, stink bugs. Okay. Yes. So those so, are inside, outside. Those guys are everywhere. They, they are. They're out there everywhere. Um, stink bugs, kudzu bugs, um, we see them quite a bit. You know, they're not going to hurt you. They're not, they're not harmful to you and I. They just, they're just a nuisance. And they, they have a terrible odor um, that, you know, can get their squashed on, on a furniture, oh. on fabric, so it kind of stay there. Right. Um, so, yeah, we see them quite a bit. We get a lot of calls about that. Um, and, and again, it's sort of like we talked about earlier, you know, screens, the windows are open, make sure there's screens on the windows, that type of thing where they can't kind of crawl into the house and be in there with you. Yeah. All right. And, and thinking outdoors when we're now enjoying our time on the deck, on the balcony, on the patio, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, we are starting to see more and more bees emerge, which, which we do love. We love the pollinators and we love some of the bees that are, you know, beneficial for the flowers and things in our garden. But, uh, one that annoys everybody the most carpenter bees. Yes, that uh, you'll you'll sit there and you'll see them buzzing around you, or you, they look like big bumblebees if people aren't familiar with what they are. Um, and of course, they will drill their holes into into the wood, um, usually the decking or maybe up high where you can't reach in the soffit of the house. Um, generally, they don't like stained or painted wood, um, huh. but obviously we'll see them there at times. And they're just going to burrow their hole in there, and they're going to make their chamber and lay their eggs. And then you have that the frass is coming out of it that will stain the house, or mm-hmm. you'll see it on the deck. Um, and then woodpeckers come along and you can peck it out. So you go from oh. one small hole to a big hole. Wow, <laughs> and, I didn't realize and, that. Yeah, you'll see that sometimes. You'll see the gallery has all been chewed out um, on the side of a house where the woodpeckers have gotten in there and, and pecked out everything inside there. Wow, okay. Yep. Well, so but, then I'm glad you brought up, you know, woodpeckers, maybe larger mm-hmm. birds rodents pests that we're dealing with too how often do you all receive calls about squirrels who have made their way inside people's homes is that pretty common all the time yes so we'll get you know the gray squirrels will get in there sometimes we'll get flying squirrels in homes and in generally they'll you know they'll crawl inside the house uh they'll get into the gutter line and they'll kind of chew their way through the through underneath the shingles there and get into the attic 
Um, so you'll have people who are saying, you know, hey, I hear something running around upstairs, or you'll hear, you know, acorns can be pushed around on the, on the ceiling <laughs> right. as you're trying to sleep. So, yeah, it happens quite a bit. It's like bowling balls, small little bowling it, balls as they're so busy yeah. moving stuff around. <laughs> In the middle of the night, it sounds like it's a giant walking up there, too, because yeah, it's so loud. Right. So this is kind of a one-stop shop. You can have your wildlife control company and your pest control company all in one with arrow exterminators, uh, speaking with Randy Chendemi this morning. And two, I want to ask you about, this is a question I've had too. I'm just rapid fire with you because I'm trying to think of sure. all the great questions that I've received from people. And I'm not the expert you know, on pests to be able to, to answer them sometimes, um, but ants too. So one of the things that gardeners are, are worried about, black ants and garden beds, you know, we're trying to get sure. those garden beds ready for spring planting, you know, for our summer crops and things like that. So first of all, Randy, maybe if you can tell me why little black ants are attracted to the soil or what is it there that they're, where are they coming from? Why are there so many? Well, it stays, it's a nice place. It's kind of warm underneath there. It's, it's damp. They can, they can crawl around. Um, it gets, it's, they're kind of hidden down there. If you think about it, you know, they're mm-hmm. getting up underneath that mulch and that pine straw. So you don't see them as much. Um, and then of course they're, they're going to look for any kind of food source they can. And kind of going back to what we said earlier about, you know, trash cans on the outside of the house, or there's something you're, people are putting different things in their gardens, so like mm-hmm. natural things. They're, they're looking for something to feed on, and it's a food source for them. So they're just going to continue to forage and look for whatever they can. So, yeah, we definitely want to be careful when thinking about treating black ants in a garden bed, you know, prior to you planting things that you're going to be eating for sure. Um, and two, one of the other pests that we're going to be seeing here soon, fire ants in the lawn. You don't want your yes. your kids affected. You don't want your pets affected. So what's, what's the deal there? Do they burrow, you know, up in mounds? Oh. Are they underground? Where are they? They're, they're both. Obviously, the most thing most people see is that hill on top of the coming out of the grass. It's kind of unsightly. It's you know it's big, and but you don't realize how far down they can go, and and they'll they'll go feet to the ground. Um, so what will happen is a lot of times people don't pay attention to it, and we've all done it as kids and probably as adults. It's fun to kind of put a stick in there and get them riled up and watch them go away, right? <laughs> and run away um, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's, you run away. You don't want to stand there. Don't be the last man standing there. Um, but, but what happens is a lot of times when you disturb that, that mound, they will move. Um, and so, so what will happen is people with lawnmowers, they run over them trying to get rid of them. Ugh. And maybe a couple of days later, you see another two or three popping up because they'll take those queens and they'll move, move away and you'll have more. So um, it is going to be popping up more now with some, some good afternoon rain, the ground soft, and you'll see these mounds starting to pop up. Sometimes they're very small and you don't see them yet. And you don't know that they're there. Right. But uh, the big ones, the best is to kind of leave them alone. Maybe you know, treat them with something. Let them let them die off first, and then you can get rid of the of the hill. And how common is it? You know, I asked about how frequently you all receive calls from homeowners about squirrels getting into the home. How I mean, with with the craze of house plants now, and just the explosion of the popularity of house plants, Randy, mm-hmm. do you all get questions about common pests like spider mites and white flies and things that are affecting people's house plants, or do you all kind of try to stay away from that? Well, we don't. Yeah, we get calls about them. We don't. We don't do the lawn and ornamental. I mean, we can treat the foundation, but we don't. We don't treat necessarily like um, out in the yard too much for for the lawn care out there. Um, so if they're getting them out in that area, we can kind of point them in the right direction. Uh, but we we do get calls like that all the time because especially when people like right now we're getting a little fooled because it's March and we could still get a little cool weather. Mm-hmm. People buy go to you know the local store. They buy their plants. They put them outside. Next thing they know, a little cold weather like this morning, they bring them inside. 
Yeah. And now suddenly there's something in the garage. So we get those, that's when we get most of the calls. That's interesting. Yeah, just people thinking about bringing things indoors, outdoors. You really have to prepare those plants before you do that. Yes. Well, Randy, thank you so much for all of your knowledge. I mean, we covered a lot of ground, but I know those are all pests that you know gardeners are concerned with. Um, how can they reach you all today if they're interested in you know having some of your services done at their home? So anybody, we're, we're all over Metro Atlanta. Um, the easiest way to get in touch with us is, uh, it's very simple. It's one eight 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 go arrow is our phone number. And when you call that, that 888 number, it'll put you to your local office. So whatever zip code you're calling from, it'll transfer you to that local office. Um, and we'll be happy to help you in any way we can, whether it be pest control, wildlife, termite control, uh, mosquito control this time of year, whatever you need, we can help you with. And if you go to arrowexterminators.com, just the same, click on your zip code and uh, you can get in touch with someone there. Do y'all, can we make appointments for weekends, for Saturdays and Sundays, or is it a Monday through Friday thing? Generally not Sundays, um, but we do have uh, technicians that work Saturdays. So we try to work with the homeowner and whatever time's best for them. Uh, We can come out Monday through through Friday, uh, and then Saturdays, obviously, we have technicians out there, too, that can can go by and see the people. Well, Randy, congratulations on your Greeny Growing debut, and you're the first exterminator that I've, I've had on, and I really enjoyed it. This was a very informative conversation we've had. Well, no, it's fun to talk about bugs, isn't it? It is. It really is. I have an entomologist from Clemson University that I have on every now and then, and I'm just, I'm grossed out but fascinated at the same time. It's weird. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things you could talk about it for hours. There's just so many of them. Um, it's hard to highlight which ones we deal with all the time, but it. It's uh, it, they definitely are fascinating. Well, maybe we'll have you back. I mean, y'all have to let me know. Reach out to me and let me know what season is appropriate, you know, and then okay. we'll definitely make it happen. You got it. All right. Randy Chendemi from Arrow Exterminators. Thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Have a great day. You too. All right, folks, you just you get everything, a wealth of knowledge here on Green and Growing. So back with your questions in a few minutes. We're going to step out, take a break, check traffic and weather on WSB. Weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today and tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy skies. Highs anywhere in the upper 50s to low 60s and lows around 40. Green and growing growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Number one, be getting the beds and rows ready for warm season vegetables. You're going to be planting those outdoors maybe the second or third week of April. Number two, pay pay close attention right now to your indoor seedlings. Many of you have already sown those seeds, so use that fan. Keep that blowing on them all the time to prevent damping off. And hostas, dig those up right now, split them, divide them, and share them with friends. All right, back with your calls, 404-872-0750 on Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. All right, ready to hear from you. It's the first day of spring, and I'm glad you're listening to Green and Growing. It's Ashley Frasca here for the next hour and a half until nine, and Dave Baker, host of the Home Fix It show, he's already in the house. He's doing a lot of show prep, a lot of research. 
to bring you some good stuff at 9 o'clock. So 404-872-0750. Peg and Tucker, you've been so patient. Thanks for hanging on. Good morning. Sure, Ashley. It sounds like a good show so far. You know, I got a lot of energy. First day of spring. You can't help but love it, right? Are right, you going to need the energy for this idea. Oh, gosh. Okay, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great project for kids mm-hmm. with adult supervision. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your neighbors or whoever you know to volunteer to do a project with the kids. And what you do is you get them to pick out their favorite shape, or whether they like squares or maybe they like hexagons, maybe they like triangles. And then you get them to make molds uh, for them. And uh, you take the little rocks, the little gravel that Nicole was talking about, Yeah. you, you get them to put those in the mold, and then you fill it up with whatever you need to make stepping stones. And instead of going to the place next to Pike's uh, out near our house to buy stepping stones, you make your own. When you get done, you go to Pike's and get your um, camellias and grass seed and everything you need to make your yard back like a yard with grass and and trails and things like that. Yeah. So the stepping stones, you just need a, maybe a little bag of quickcrete, right? Right. Hmm. And and a, and a mold, you know, the shape that you want. The kids can decide whether they want circles or whatever, and you can get... At Walmart, a little kit where you can get paint to paint the oh. stepping stones that you make if you want them painted. Kids love to do that kind of thing. That's neat. You know, and what I thought, too, although this may be stupid, as soon as I it leaves my mouth, I may have wished I hadn't said it. But uh, Becky Griffin, I've had her on the show from the University of Georgia before, and um, having, um, like, you know, colored glass bottles, right? How to reuse oh, yeah. what to do with old wine bottles. What? So I wonder if you could do some kind of mosaic stepping stone too. And the only reason I'm saying that might be stupid is because you really need to make sure if you're going to put shards of glass in the quickcrete that they're actually pressed down into the concrete pretty well. But that could be colorful and really pretty. Or like you said, just a little paint. Well, you need to be careful that the kids you get are an appropriate age. Yeah, for sure. Well, Peg, that's a really good idea. So yeah, we started off the show by talking about what a headache it is to remove pea gravel or river stone, river rocks, if they're in a place that you don't want them. So that's an idea. That's a good use for it. Well, I love it. Well, Peg, hey, thanks. I always appreciate you checking in. Sure. All right. You enjoy your weekend. First day of spring. Go get it. And I want to know what you guys are planning to do outdoors as well. I know David and Tucker probably has some spring plans outside this weekend. What are you going to get into, David? Uh, Well... Uh, I've got more holes to put in pottery. Okay. And uh, I have found a magical ability of mine that I can make a hole that uh, will retain the water due to surface tension. <laughs> huh. All right. <laughs> well, good. Why well, didn't mean to put you on the spot about what you're doing, but hey, so what's your question or what do you want to talk to me about today? Uh, well, uh, I had a lot of seed, and I, I skadoodled around Tucker the other day, and now I have a whole lot more seed, and I know that I will have a lot that I will not use. And wanted to know about the viability of seed over the course of a year or 
to if you don't uh, use it that first season. Yeah, absolutely. So seed saving saves money, and it's just kind of an enjoyable thing to do and sharing varieties with folks and different heirloom and things like that. So there are so many different ways that I know folks have saved seed, but um, the University of Georgia has a great publication on the viability of seed and maybe how long each one stays good um, and a little bit different ways to store them, but I know dry is best. Um, I've had luck with, I mean, this is just not vegetable seeds, but maybe seeds for um, zinnias and things like that, just letting them dry out and putting them in paper and folding that paper up almost like an envelope and clipping it next to the uh, refrigerator down in the garage. A, so I don't forget about it, but B, that's just a nice dry place. Um, what? How, how have you done it before? I haven't saved too many, so... Uh, I've basically just kept them in the original packaging and make sure it's in a, a dry, dark place. You know, the, the big key is don't get it damp or you're going to have things sprouting where you don't want things sprouting. Right. Um, also, a suggestion for your backyard, um, if you want to uh, kind of shortcut, shortcut the uh, orchard option, uh-huh. you might try cocktail trees. Oh, those are cool with the multiple different fruits on one. One tree? Yep. Man, and yeah, like can, fruit salad trees. Those are cool. I talked to Pikes yesterday, and they've got them, and they say that as they have them now, they're four feet tall, and they are a mature tree now. Wow. So I wonder, I guess, when you buy it from Pike, I haven't I haven't ever really looked at the fruit trees, but um, they're containerized, like maybe in a pot already and just ready to plop in the ground? Yeah, they're three-gallon. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's a great idea. But just, again, the sun requirements, you know, the the light, the sun requirements. Um, I'm on such a sloped lot that I just worry about erosion and that kind of thing. But that's a great idea for someone. Maybe, David, I could see that. That would be great in these newer uh, construction homes, you know, that just have like the postage stamp for the front yard. And if the builder didn't Mm -hmm. just plop some random crepe myrtle in there or Japanese maple in there or something like that, that would be a fun tree to have. If that's just your one focal point, your one, you know, pretty flowering tree in the spring. And then of course, productive too. That's a great suggestion. Ta-da. 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 Yeah, you're always full of good ideas. I like it. Well, hey, David, thanks for the call. I'm going to do a little more research and actually I may share that on the Facebook page um, about different crops, different seeds from the University of Georgia how many years they stay viable, like just looking really quickly, cucumber, you could store that seed up to five years. Um, That's kind of crazy. But parsnips, that may only be good for one year. Um, And freezing some of the larger crop seeds and things like that, that's a a good thing to to do because maybe, you know, we started seedlings indoors a few weeks ago and didn't use all of our seeds. So like David said, number one is keeping those seeds dry and the original packaging is great, is ideal if you can. And then having that to look forward to again next year. So good suggestions. I look forward to your call next week, David, 404-872-0750. Paul in Dunwoody. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. I'm out near the waterworks. I'm calling about the seeds. A lot of seeds for American farms, a lot of them, not not all of them, but a lot of them came from West Africa on the slave ships. Hmm. And uh, the honeybees came from Italy, uh, there were no honeybees in North America uh, uh, previous to the, the the immigration from England and Scotland and and uh, 
of Ireland, and um, um, honeybees are it's a it's a huge part of the farm cycle. Oh yeah, um, and and um, it's just as valuable as farm workers or tractors or uh, family members who help out on farms. But uh, there is something called colony collapse, and and. Uh, there have been large numbers of honeybees that have died on, on different uh, locations, um, and and uh, the, the 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 farmers or the county agricultural offices or the uh, the state agricultural offices have had to import bees, uh, sometimes from Florida, sometimes from Mexico, sometimes from Canada. And they've they've tried to you know have some kind of a, a growth that will rebound the the beehives and that make them healthy again. And it's blamed it's blamed on a tiny uh, microscopic bug that gets in the ear of the honeybee and the, the honeybee gets disoriented. One more thing I want to say, I I had a girlfriend from Emory out in Doraville who lived with a Chinese family, and they they had the perfect backyard for growing um, um, uh, turnip greens, and they grew something called winter melon, Mm. which is from the Hong Kong, Shanghai area. It, It doesn't grow in northern China. And it doesn't grow in Western China, but but um, it's made into a soup. You know, it's funny, Paul, you mentioned China, too, because uh, I just recorded something with Walter Reeves and with Alex Williams from the traffic team here in the last few days, a plant origin quiz. And I'm not going to give away the answers, but I will tell you a lot of the things that we enjoy here in the United States originated from China. So that is certainly that certainly makes sense. And, you know, to your point about honeybees, too, I mean, hats off to groups like the Metro Atlanta Beekeepers Association and things like that for making making it trendy, making it popular and attractive for folks to have, you know, to become beekeepers. I mean, there's easy ways to become certified beekeepers and all of these, again, virtual webinars and everything we've been stuck doing online for the last year or so really has been a blessing for a lot of folks being able to stay at home really take the time to educate themselves on the topics that are pertinent to them. But um, just the awareness and making folks aware of the importance. If there was a decline in the bee population, we would all suffer greatly. And I've had a couple of guests on that have talked to us about that. And we're certainly going to be talking about the pollinator census coming up in the fall, but a conversation here um, very shortly in the next couple of weekends with Becky Griffin talking about pollinators and how we can really encourage that and promote that in our own landscapes. And bees are one of the number one things we want to attract, especially if you're thinking about the vegetable gardens for summertime and the fruit trees that David and I were just talking about and all of that. Well, Paul, I really appreciate your call. Thank you so much for checking in. It's time to take a break and see what's going on with Mike Shields and the Traffic Center. Check weather, and we'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. I'm glad you're here. It's Ashley Frasca on Green and Growing on WSB.
And here this weekend in for Kirk Mellish is Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz. And you've been hearing him this morning say it's going to be chilly. We're off to a chilly start already, about 43 degrees in metro Atlanta. Today, mostly sunny and chilly. Um, highs in the, I said chilly three times just then, I'm sorry. And I just said it four. Um, highs around the mid-50s and lows around 40. So not quite cold enough, not close enough to freezing to where you need to panic and bring anything in. Uh, tomorrow, partly cloudy skies, high of around 63, lows around 45, and the rain may not come back to us until Wednesday. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, so one I haven't spent a lot of time on, hostas. That is something I'm doing this weekend. They can be dug up, split, and divided very easily for transplanting or just giving to other folks. It's a free plant, guys. So once you dig those up, you can see them emerging right now. Once you dig those up, just work your fingers through the soil, and they'll break apart pretty easily. Hostas are not one that you need a you know sharp knife to try to split. Uh, watch for slugs and snails, though, as those leaves start to open out and apply bait is needed for control because you don't want them chewing holes in the leaves. Number two, get your rows and your garden beds ready for warm season vegetables. We've talked about that. We had a great conversation with Walter at 630, which I'm definitely going to replay. Ideas for crops for smaller gardens, as small as a five five-gallon bucket up to maybe just a small raised bed, things that are sized right that you can definitely do in smaller areas. Um, We're not going to really think about planting those things outside until maybe the second or third week of April. So don't get tricked. Right now, some places have tomato plants and stuff out, so just be very careful. Number three, pay close attention to indoor seedlings if you're doing those yourself. Many of you have already sown your seeds, and they're starting to germinate, and it's so exciting. So stay on top of watering and use a fan to prevent damping off. That is just devastating to something that you've put so much time into. 404-872-0750. Jan in Milledgeville, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I have, I'm sure you're so tired of hearing (laughs) this question being asked, but we have a centipede lawn, and it's still mostly dormant right Mm -hmm. now, but not the weeds. There are weeds in there, and um, uh, as far as control, uh, we can still put things down, pre-emergent, correct, even though our grass is dormant, the weeds are right out there. Right, exactly, yeah. Pre-emergence can be applied, and actually it's probably a little more ideal when those warm season grasses are dormant because that pre-emergent chemical is going to focus in the first inch or two of soil to get to some of the weeds before you see them. So the ones you see now, you'll just have to spot treat. But yeah, the ones that have not germinated yet, I don't think you're too late to go ahead and do an application of pre-emergence. It certainly wouldn't hurt. Okay, so... Um, living in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area, I know you've already recommended bonide weed beater complete, but in Milledgeville, we, we have very few places that we can get um, a pre-emergent as opposed to what you would have in Atlanta. Can you recommend some other general um, pre-emergence that we might be able to? We have a Lowe's here, and that's pretty much it. Okay, yeah, and and centipede lawn, I don't know as much about it, um, Jan, for sure. So you do have to read the label very carefully because for some reason centipede is kind of set out aside from the other warm season grasses, and I'm not sure why that is. It's not treated as quite the same as zoysia 
and Bermuda. So yes, definitely stay tuned. Right after 8 o'clock, I will certainly do that for you. I will list out a couple of good pre-emergents to buy if if you don't see Bonide brand. There are some other good ones by Scott's and things like that, certainly. So stay tuned. We're going to take a break, check news, weather, and traffic, and back with more of your calls. 404-872-0750 on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.